This is episode number 177 with Angela Gallo. Welcome to the Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best-selling author of Mastering Your Mean Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word. Each week, I'll be getting up close and personal with thought leaders from around the globe, as well as your weekly dose of motivation so that you can create epic change in your own life and become the best version of yourself possible. Are you ready, beautiful? I just wanted to quickly remind you that if you haven't already, make sure you hit subscribe in your favorite podcast app. Mine is Himalaya. For those of you that have not heard of Himalaya, it's an epic brand new podcast app which has so many awesome and unique features no other podcast app has, like episode and channel playlists. It's free, so easy to find new shows, and is really user-friendly. So head on over to the app or Google Play Store to download it today. Don't forget to follow me once you're done so that you can listen to my episodes one day earlier than they're usually released. Pretty cool, huh? This episode is brought to you by B-School, which is an epic online business program created by my biz mentor, Marie Folio. Now, B-School is only open once a year, and that time is right now. Now, I first did B-School back in 2012, and it was the program that catapulted my business. It gave me all the tools I needed to launch my dream career. And for those of you that have never heard of Marie, she is a crazy successful entrepreneur, author, and the host of the award-winning show, Marie TV. And she has literally created the business and life of her dreams. And now she wants to help you do the same, just like she did with me. Now, Marie knows her stuff about how to create a thriving business and life, and even Oprah has called her a thought leader for the next generation. How cool is that? Without doubt, Marie is one of the reasons that I am where I am today with the business that I now have. It all started with her as my mentor many moons ago. So if you want your dream business, if you have an idea or if you have a few ideas, or even if you want to take your already existing business to the next level, check out B-School and my epic bonuses that you get when you sign up using my link. All you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash B-School to check it out and get your hands on my epic bonuses, which are my business bootcamp program, my powerful Mastering Your Mean Girl Meditations, and a live webinar with Nick and I where we will be taking you behind the scenes on all the inner workings of my business. We will not be holding back and we'll answer all of your questions. So if you're ready to take your business to the next level, then head to melissaambrosini.com forward slash bschool to get all the details. Angela Gallo is one of few globally recognized doulas, successfully diversifying and scaling her business to a six-figure empire built on pure ambition, women's empowerment, and the desire to see material outcomes and experiences improved worldwide. She is especially enthusiastic about incorporating her impassioned values surrounding sexuality and wealth into her ongoing work. She has spent the last five years leaning into the epic journey of motherhood, marriage, entrepreneurship, heartbreak, witnessing the births of many babies and the rebirth of many women, as well as too many trials and triumphs to count. The result? A reclamation of her personal powers that led to more pleasure, more fulfillment, and more exemplified leadership that she could have ever imagined. And in today's episode, we chat about her story and how she got to where she is today doing the work she does as a doula, 
why you are not just birthing a child and you're rebirthing the mother, what is a doula, the difference between a doula and a midwife, why you should all consider getting a doula, her biggest lessons that she has learned after birthing her two children and witnessing countless births, how to move through the identity death when we step into motherhood, her top 40 best books, what she's working on within herself at the moment, her epic morning routine, the power of dance for upgraded self-confidence, her epic gratitude list, plus so much more. And for everything that Angela and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes and that is over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 177. But before we dive into today's epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it comes from the gorgeous Gracie Lauren, and it's five stars, and it's titled A Dose of Inspiration. And she says, I love this podcast. The guests are great, and it highlights so many important messages and issues. Holistic health and self-love in all aspects of our life is so important, which Melissa absolutely embodies. It's wellness and inspiration rolled into one. Keep spreading the light. The world needs it. Thank you so much, Gracie. I'm so grateful for that beautiful five-star review. And don't forget that if you want to be the review of the week for next week, to head on over to iTunes and leave me your review right now. Thank you so much in advance. And now, without further ado, let's bring on the amazing Angela Gallo. Beautiful Angela, welcome to the show. You know this first question. What did you have for breakfast this morning? (laughs) I actually, very intentionally, went to have a sensational breakfast at my local. It was tangerine sorbet and muesli and flowers and a sexy coffee, and now I am hyped up. I'm hyped up, Melissa, and I'm very happy to be here. That sounds amazing. I actually saw on Instagram your tangerine sorbet, and I was like, what? This is so beautiful. So (laughs) it looked like art. It was stunning. So good. So good. So I'm vibing from the inside. That's for sure. I'm definitely a breakfast person. Definitely a breakfast person. Oh, awesome. Well, I'm so pumped to have you here. But first, let's dive in. Can you tell us about your story? and how you got to where you are today doing the wonderful work that you do in the world. Ooh, all right. It is a long story, many layers, roller coaster, orgasms, laughter, tears, trials, triumphs, tribulations, very colorful. And it all starts probably five years ago before the birth of my daughter when I had every intention not to have babies because I was a free-roaming, traveling wild woman I had been living between Thailand and Australia for two years, doing underwater videography and volunteering in some animal rescue and bartending on a beach bar and doing all the fun stuff, bartending in you know Melbourne. And towards the end of that two years, I met my ex-partner and you know, he did wonderful little romance. And I said, well, look, I've got to go back to Canada do you want to tag along? He's like, yeah, let's do this. So we went to Thailand for, you know, a last minute shindig. We had a great time, went to Canada and ended up finding out that I was pregnant right before a massive road trip that we were about to go on. Now I'd been previously told that I could not get pregnant. And this kind of, you know, when I look back in hindsight, my my experiences navigating just health as a woman, how I was so devastatingly disconnected from my body. I had no power in myself. You know, I was told at nine years old, take the birth control. This is what you do. You know, you're, you're bleeding. You're this. I just had no idea. So when someone told me that I couldn't get pregnant, I believed them and I got pregnant. And then I was faced to kind of make this decision as to what I would do. This was a second pregnancy, by the way. So I had already had a previous pregnancy that was very conflicted and just a sad, stressful memory. 
And so all of these emotions and this situation was bubbling to the surface. What could I do? What should I do? But something in the deepest part of me said, no, you've got to do this. You're, you're going to become a mom. And now, you know, is the perfect time. There's never going to be a perfect time. And you've got to just trust this process. And this is where I feel everything begins for me. My second life, my rebirth. And it's, it's with the, the, yeah, the pregnancy and the birth of my daughter, Ruby. And so we had all these travel plans and I didn't want to cancel them because I'm, I'm, a, you know, wild like that. And so we kept traveling and, and we kept doing the things and I really had quite intense nausea, but whatever, that's fine. I felt ridiculously connected to my baby. I was just lapping up the experience as a physical experience, a spiritual experience, an emotional experience, and ultimately an exercise into what the hell it meant to be a woman, because I never, I never had that experience before then. And so as she grew stronger and, you know, as I became more pregnant, the challenges didn't stop. And certainly a lot of things happen. But when I went on to, to birth her after a very, you know, 45 hour long labor, really, you know, intense, but massively empowering, everything, everything that I thought that I was, everything that I thought I knew, everything that my arrogant, naive little brain believed before that moment changed with her. And so as I scooped her from, you know, my yoni onto my chest and, and sobbed and wept and her eyes met mine, it was like the stars colliding. Like every single thing that has happened to me since then was, was then, and I'm actually about to start crying. So I should probably stop talking about that, but just meeting her and realizing that, you know, as a young person, you just, you live your whole life thinking that you, you understand things and that you're invincible and you have it all figured out and you're a rebel and you know, you can do what you want. But after I had her and I hired a doula, I just, you know, was so impounded and impacted by having that doula there that I just couldn't shake this feeling that possibly this is something that I would want to explore. And so three months, you know, into Ruby's new life, I could not peel myself away from doula, Googling doula just constantly. And we were in Western Australia at the time. And, you know, this training that was happening kept popping up and the amount of times I, I abandoned that checkout, I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it. What's the worst that can happen? I'm going to do it. You know, I won't like it, whatever. What's the worst that can happen? And so I did the training and I definitely did not hate it whatsoever. I loved it. And I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this is the start of something and I need to just trust this process. Now, if you have any idea about birth work in general, whether that's midwifery or doula work is that the idea socially is that unless you're an obstetrician, you're a nobody, you don't make any, you know, any real money. It's not a fulfilling career. It's very much a hobbyist sphere. Okay. So hobbyist realm. And so I went into this being a serial entrepreneur thinking like, all right, well, I can just turn this, you know, into my next endeavor, but actually navigating the conversations and the strangeness around like not making money and being everything to everyone and, per you know, perpetuating the martyrdom thing that mothers and women do felt really challenging to me. So that was interesting. I went into the doula work super excited, but then was, was really, really challenged by the attitudes towards doulas and the attitudes towards doulas making money. And then, yeah, this is kind of all of the little bits and bobs and the dominoes that come together. Since then, I had my son, Odin, and that only compounded my obsessive passion for this work. And I went on to, you know, add birth photography to my repertoire. I started a business program for birth professionals, and I now just launched a global training online and in person for visionary, passionate, you know, rebel type of, of doulas like myself. And it's been a hell of a ride, Melissa. That's how, and that's how it started for me. Oh my gosh. Awesome. Okay. So I love what you said about, you know, when you first met her eyes, a lot of women say that they don't just birth the child, they are rebirthing themselves. And it sounds like that was definitely the case for you, like this beautiful rebirth. I just think that's absolutely so beautiful. There's so much focus on birthing the child, but what about rebirthing the mother? So let's take it back a little bit. For someone who's listening and is like, what the hell is a doula? Can you explain what a doula is and what their role in the whole birth process is? 
and why they might potentially want to have one. Mm. That rebirth, by the way, just rewind a second. Oh, so powerful. So amazing. Okay. What, what is a doula? What is a doula? Number one, ask question. The word itself is it's transcribed words. It directly translates to servant. And I just cannot stand that definition. And I actually try not use the word doula, but that's just the word we're using today. It is a birth keeper of sorts. So a doula is somebody who not just in birth or pregnancy, very much at all types of milestones, like, you know, navigating loss, navigating death, menopause, menstruation, is a shepherd of sorts. They are the confidant, the best friend, the coach, the person who very much bridges the gaps and becomes whatever it is that that individual needs at that moment in time. And so for myself, working in pregnancy and birth and postpartum, it really is about becoming whatever that person needs during that process, right? So when they are navigating a linear maternal healthcare system, the doctors, the midwives are very much caring for them based on protocol, policy, from the bottom down, okay? And that's a real distinction. So basically from the from the womb or uterus down, that's what they focus on. As a doula, I'm focusing on everything from the womb up. And so I'm focusing on emotion, spirituality, mental health, really putting them, inspiring them, helping them to be in a place of total alignment. So the mind, the body, the soul, snap dab together so that they can, you know, not only achieve the outcome and the experience that they're they're dreaming of, but that they walk away from it feeling a certain way. And for me, that's the kicker. It's not promising someone a type of birth. It's helping them facilitate that type of energy and feeling so that when they walk away from it, doesn't matter what happened, it's how they felt leaving so that they move on and they rock and roll in parenthood and they feel solid and confident and competent and, and do all of the things that, you know, sane, balanced, feel good people do, which of course we know has all these massive ripple effects. So that is what a doula does. It's, it's a myriad of things, but that's it in a nutshell. So it's more of a, you know, we believe, or I think the idea is what doulas do is that they, you know, they replace the midwife or they replace the obstetrician. It's not that at all. It really is on a totally different way, wavelength. We're talking about, you know, emotional continuity of care, somebody who forges a relationship, a very intimate relationship with you from the moment you conceive or even before then, all the way till six, seven, eight, nine weeks and years afterwards. You know, I'm Anne's to, to several little, you know, cr- crazy Auntie Ange to several little babies I saw born. And it's just not the kind of relationship that you can find in, in mainstream maternal health. And doulas are, pos- you know, perfectly positioned to make that happen. And that's where these parents thrive with those relationships. So it's kind of like everyone could benefit from a doula, like not just whilst they're pregnant, but like just like every day. I'm like, I'm like, can you just come and like hang out with me and be my doula for life? Like just support me and have have my back 24-7? Oh my God, 100%. I call myself like a business doula. I call myself a sex doula. I, yeah, and and actually for me, my thing is that I prefer being called the birth bestie because I'm not you know, yes, of course, I have a workflow and a system, but it really is just about being your friend and and giving you space for you to cry and laugh and have the breakdown and express your fears and lean into those feelings so that, yeah, you, you know, creating a space exactly like a best friend would do to just do the damn thing and feel like your boldest, bravest, most aligned self. I love that. That's awesome. Okay. So a doula is almost like the best cheerleader that you could have. So how are they different to a midwife? Mm -hmm. Massively different. And the thing is, as well, is you've got to understand that, and this is, you know, much of what I teach is just like, it's not popular because it's, you know, it's a little bit controversial and it ruffles the feathers. But when we look at, you know, hospitals and, and the Ministry of Health and systems and you know, midwives, doesn't matter how beautiful they are, it doesn't matter how beautiful the obstetrician is, they have protocols and policies and legal restrictions and insurance restrictions that they need to abide by. And so inherently, it restricts their ability to have those relationships and, you know, inherits their ability to be honest with their clients and make recommendations based on something else that's not, for example, science. And what I love about this is that I can just come in with the experience, you know, and the things that I know and the things that I feel and the things that I've seen and really help them to ask the right questions and 
you know, do the research and not fall into the pit where every other person falls. It's like you pee on the stick, you confirm pregnancy, you start throughout the system, you do your appointments, you know, you rock up, you get the induction, you do the birth, catch you later. I just don't believe in that. I believe in fact is that maternal health is a consumer based, you know, system like anything else, but people for, for some reason within this system don't know they have a voice and they don't know that they're allowed to exercise that voice. And they don't know that they have more choices available to them than meets the eye. So what's most exciting for me is empowering people beyond the cliche empowering. I'm talking about empowering them to walk into a system that can sometimes be ruthless and feel like, yes, I'm a badass. I can totally do this. And that's definitely such a cool part. Yes. Do you know what was a massive turning point for me? The documentary called The Business of Being Born by Ricky Lake. Have you seen that? Of course. Yes. Oh my gosh. Every single human being, not only female, men need to watch this as well. It is so powerful. I remember watching it just like jaw on the floor thinking, holy moly, like we've got a lot of work to do. Massively. And, And this doesn't, you know, this is totally individual preferences, but what I really want to empower women to do is to take back control and have the voice, like you said, and not slip in and fall into that system and just get on that treadmill of of the matrix and you know you get this test and you get this like remember that you have a voice and that you matter and the more that you educate yourself the more knowledgeable you're going to be and then you can use your voice to express what you desire in this life altering experience that you're about to go through Absolutely. It's it's kind of like just even recognizing, right, the transformative potential of, of pregnancy and birth, right? This is something that no healthcare professional will talk to you about. We're talking about tapping into something that is psychedelic, that is unbelievable. There's no parameters for this. The fact is that birth pushes you to the brinks of your physical limits. This is a fact, regardless of how you birth. But within that vulnerability is a kind of power and resilience that can only be found in birth. And it's the same kind of resilience and strength that we need to be able to successfully become parents, to navigate everything that comes afterwards. And so for me, there's very clear links between the way we're birthing and all of the issues that are coming afterwards, like postpartum mental health and postpartum psychosis and depression. For example, suicide is the number one way women are experiencing actually dying, for lack of better words, when they become mothers, right? So maternal mortality, it is suicide. So why is that happening? And then we see direct links to the ways they're birthing, the ways they're under-supported, the ways they're experiencing gestation and birth and the afterbirth period. And so for me, there's very obvious things that need to be taken into consideration here. It's not just, oh, you should ask these questions because you need a better birth. It's, did you know that, you know, you could actually turn this into an amazing transformational experience for you? Did you know that you could actually preempt mental health and create a better solution or situation for yourself in parenthood? Did you know that you could use birth to really lean into your body and tap into that divinity and soulfulness, orgasmicness. A lot of people just don't even know this. It's kind of a, you know, life and death, the ways humans are, we see it, the way we are disconnected relationships between birth and what it is to be human and death and what it is to be human. And so I would really love for it to be seen as more of a rite of passage and an experience and a way for us to harness an unbelievable amount of power to go on to become more powerful humans who help each other, who love each other and who build a more solid society. Mm. And you said before, it requires such physical strength, but not only physical, like, I mean, and and I don't really know. I've just, I'm just saying this because I, you know, from what I've heard, but not just physical strength, but emotional, you know, the the emotional and the mental strength that I can imagine is required when you give birth. Like it's a spiritual experience, an emotional, a physical experience. And like we've said a few times now, it's a rebirth of the mother. It is a rebirth of her stepping into this completely new identity and way of living and being. And it's so empowering and so 
powerful. Mm. So why should women consider getting a doula? Like for someone who's listening, like why should they even consider it? Hmm. So many reasons. So as we touched upon, right, birth as a physical experience where you are pushed to the brinks, like I said, of your, you know, emotional, mental, physical, soulful self, the only way to be prepared for that and to be in a place where you feel confident navigating it is to, you know, spend the time just like any other exercise exercising your mental health and your emotional health and your spiritual health beforehand so that when you get to the birth, you're feeling in shape, quote unquote. You're feeling like your endurance and your stamina is just peaking. And that's what a doula can help you do. And that for me is what I hope to bring. It's like keeping people enthusiastic, keeping them feeling like massively pumped for what's to come, getting them to ask the questions, getting them to, you know, do the research, getting them thinking about things they've never thought about before, you know, having them cry and and really express those fears and work through whatever fears they have, that all helps them exercise the mind, body and soul so that when they get to birth, they feel like they are again in shape, quote unquote, in order to handle it and manage it and enjoy it. Now, if I help them do that, this is something that they're not going to find right in, in hospital. The hospital does not have the resources or the time to sit down and, you know, develop intimate relationships with people and help every single individual, hundreds, thousands of people coming through the hospital to exercise this, to be ready for the birth. That's what a doula does. And that's why I believe people should have a doula. And again, it extends into the postpartum period because we know based on study after study, statistic after statistics, we are not supporting women and birthing people and parents to become who it is they want to be afterwards. We're leaving them overwhelmed. We're leaving them feeling depressed and defeated, really poor systems in place. And a doula is, again, perfectly positioned to provide that by coming into the home by bringing the food, by bringing the humor, by just bringing a sense of lightness. And again, doulas, for me, the essence of what we do is making people feel seen and heard and supported. And so for anything else, understand that navigating this life alone in a world that is so sick with disconnect, just having somebody there with you to love you in a way that is, you know, un- entirely unwavering is priceless, absolutely priceless. So even if Adula did nothing, she would be worth her weight in gold. Add it to everything else, and it's obvious why you would want to include them as part of the situation. Furthermore, we're talking about marginalized communities and, you know, people like Black women and people of color and trans people and people in the LGBTQIA plus community and individuals who are, you know, dealing with linguistic barriers, social barriers, socioeconomic barriers, religious barriers, all of these individuals who are not being seen, not being heard and not being supported. Doulas are the reason now that these people are being seen, that we're bringing visibility in the birth space to these people. And so there's that activism advocacy aspect to it as well. So if you are a part of a marginalized community, having a doula could be a really, really great way to navigate a sticky system when you you know, have spent your whole life not being seen. Mm, so they're kind of like a counselor slash bestie slash teacher, tr- cheerleader. It's like this epic human rolled into one yeah, that is just this yeah. epic support system. So you've given birth twice yeah. and you have been at many, many births. Mm. Tell us about some of the lessons that you've learned that maybe you wished someone would have told you before you went into pregnancy and birth. Sure, sure. Ooh, okay. There are many lessons that I've taken away over the last few years, and it's those lessons that keep me fueled and, and doing this work. And it's that what it means to be human, what we know, what it means to be human and how we see what it means to be human is so much more than a paint by numbers, linear, fit in the box. You know, you're, you're, you're born, you work, you pay your taxes, you die. There is just so much more to what it means to be human. And I feel like in a world where 
we are distracted by all of the things and we are numbing ourselves and we avoid the conversations and we avoid the feelings and we avoid the inner work. I wish that more conversation would be had about what would happen if we harnessed conception and birth and parenthood as a, again, transcending transformative experience that takes us closer to our humanity than we've ever been. Because I feel like the ripples of that would just be ginormous and it would affect the ways we see death and everything else, the ways we connect to each other, our relationships. So that's a massive one. Secondly, I wish that somebody, I wish that somebody would have told me that all of the books you're reading are bullshit, what to expect when you're expecting and, you know, reading about your baby being the size of an avocado and all of the things that we are consumed with, you know, like how much is my baby weighing and is, you know, my body too small and all of the conversations that distract us from leaning into our body and embodying what it means to birth and, you know, utilizing birth as a somatic practice. I wish that stuff would be more obvious because I feel like unless you're somebody who is, you know, a part of this community, finding that information is actually quite difficult and, you know, overall birth culture is just very dramatic and it's like birth is a general negative experience. And lastly, I also, and this is probably something in, that you and I just can't help. There's nothing that I can tell a first time parent about how hard and how rewarding and how extreme birth and parenting is, because until you live it yourself, you just don't know. So you know, it's not to take away from the fact that I wish someone would have told me that it was this wild, but I wish that there were more real conversations happening about the realities of motherhood and parenthood. I wish that we weren't so distracted about, you know, discussing how terrible birth is and making room for more conversations that would help us feel connected and supported as we deal with <laughs> the insanity that is parenthood. Because I feel like we spend so much time planning for pregnancy and planning for birth and the baby shower and all that stuff that we really do completely forget about what happens next. And that's where your family, your friends, everyone drops off the planet of the earth and you're left, you know, trying to just figure everything out and your relationships falling apart. And there's, you know, two or three very unhappy people in the mix and everything, you know, has been ripped, you know, from underneath you. There's a real grief, there's a real loss of identity. And that's what I wish above all, having those conversations and creating the space for people to lean into that experience in, in unison and not in isolation. Yeah, I love that. It's so important, isn't it? Like I often speak to people who have, you know, my friends that have given birth and I'm like, tell me, tell me what it's really like. Like, you know, like don't hold back. Like <laughs> you can be honest with me. Like tell me what it's really like. And and the process, the emotional process. And one of my best friends has just given birth and she's got a postpartum doula at her house and she is doing the whole first 40 days thing where she's not leaving the house for the first 40 days. She read that book and she, this is her second child and the first child, she didn't do this. So this time she's literally just, I think it's been two weeks already. And she's just taking that first 40 days just for herself. And she's got the doula coming over. And I said, how has this birth been different to the first one? And she's just like, it, it doesn't even compare because <laughs> she's set herself up and she'd had these conversations that we're talking about and she did the reading and the research, but she did, you know, she wasn't reading what to expect when you're expecting and the size of, you know, your baby's the size of an avocado. She was reading these like Ina Mae Gaskin and, you know, these really empowering books. And so she went into it with such wisdom and knowledge and felt so much more empowered and, and set herself up. She, you know, she planned to have this first 40 days and she planned to have the postpartum doula and you know she really set herself up and she spoke to a lot of other women that had mm. done it before her in a more conscious and mindful way mm. because I think a lot of people just go into it incredibly unconscious mm. or not mindful and that's because they just don't know and they've been told like this is what you do and you just kind of like we said before fall into the system but it doesn't have to be that way it doesn't and Melissa you know this like you've had so many amazing guests and I know your philosophies and your beliefs it's like 
you know, where, where people like humans are just so grossly impatient and we're constantly seeking instant gratification. And so whether it's, you know, consuming food, like scarfing it down and not mindfully enjoying it or having the sex really quickly because the goal is the orgasm or the procreation and we're not going to stop to enjoy it or all of this stuff that is so rushed and because we're like, well, well, we just have to get on with it. So we have to eat and we have to drink and we have to have sex and we have to have babies. And we, you know, so why do we need to, let's just get it done and let's do all the other stuff. And it's a real shame because there's such amazing opportunities there to exercise that mindfulness and doing things consciously. And you know what? It's that kind of consciousness that helps you to be in a energetic plane where everyone else benefits around you. Uh, and you benefit from it. So your kids are happier, your family's happier, you're happier. And all it takes is just looking at this entire experience in a more conscious, mindful way. Like, okay, hold on a second. What can I do right now to enjoy what is happening? What can I do right now to really make this a full body practice? What can I do right now so that this feels energizing and empowering, you know, just little decisions you make around the process and the conversations you engage and the boundaries you set, they really make such huge differences in the long term. Mm, absolutely. Now, I've seen this a lot with a lot of my friends and, and spoken to a lot of women that when they first become pregnant, there is an element of a death of the identity, you know, especially the first time, you know, it's this way that we've been living for all of our life. And then all of a sudden that identity is about to shift and we're about to step into another role. Some people don't have that death or that grieving until once the baby is born. Other people mourn during pregnancy and other people before they even conceive. So how do you as a doula support that process of that death of that identity for the mother-to-be? Great question. So the death of who you used to be before having children is inevitable. And, you know, you might birth a child, by the way, by yourself, so biologically, or physiologically, or you might adopt, or you might be a surrogate, or you might foster. Regardless, the moment you take a little baby or a child into your care, you are changed forever, right? We know this. And it's understandable why that is a, a terrifying idea for some, right? It's very confronting. We, we don't want to have a lack of control over what happens on a good day, let alone what it involves, you know, moving into uncharted territory. My philosophy towards this is that that rebirth, right? That rebirth and that phoenix rising from the ashes, that can only happen when the death takes place. And, and as humans, we are in a constant ebb and flow, a constant cycle of, of decay and death and rebirth and growth. And that is a beautiful, necessary part of the process. And my logic is that as you are reborn and you, you know, are reborn with that resilience and that wisdom and that knowledge and that experience, the good stuff happens. The best version of you happens. You know, the kind of person that could not, simply would not exist if the other person had not died. And there's ways to move through that grief in a way that honors that beginning part of your life while holding space for the new to come, right? That new life to begin. And so much like, you know, there's there's so many beautiful visuals around online about like, you know, the pot with all of the cracks and the, the crafter has to make the decision whether they keep repairing the cracks. But if they do that, the integrity is compromised. So do we hold on to the pot or do we break it and start from new? And that's my visual. It's like, you're going to get to a point where you're going to, Stop, you're going to need to stop resisting. You're going to need to stop holding on to what it is you thought you were and who it is you thought you were and surrender and buckle at the knees and come down to the floor and just let go. And in that, in that process of letting go is the most beautiful opportunity to be, you know, turned into something new, to be reborn, to, to come through again in, in just 
this this kind of strength that just could not have been possible otherwise. And that's what I really try and focus on with people is that, yes, becoming a parent is freaking scary. Yes, your life changing is freaking scary. I understand that. But there is so much cool stuff right around the corner. We've just got to move through this discomfort and surrender to what is and also release expectations. Because once you do that, you're a lot more perceptive and open to everything that's coming afterwards. And I even remember telling you this, there's a lot of people I know, beautiful women, beautiful business people who decide that, you know, they don't want to have the children because they want to focus on the career or they don't want to have the children because they're worried it'll compromise the relationship or they don't want to have the child because they don't want to spend the money or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I explained this to you that, you know, that's fine and dandy. However, if you imagine that within all of us, right, within all of us lies a safe and in that safe is a door. The door to that safe is locked, padlocked. And the only person who has that key is your baby, right? The baby that is not born, the baby that's to come, the baby that could be. And you have the choice to either never know what's inside and keep that door locked and keep that lock locked and not have the child and just be like, cool, you know what? I don't need to know the lock, the loss of control makes me feel uncomfortable. Or you can imagine what is unleashed if you allow the space for that child to come despite that loss of control and recognizing that that baby being born into this world, even with all of the stuff and the wildness and the roller coaster you know is to come, has that key, opens that door, the safe pops open and out of it comes the most creative, expressive, luscious, beautiful, vulnerable, remarkable version of yourself that you would otherwise have never had access to unless you gave that a red hot go. So the grief to me, the loss of identity is your one-way ticket to becoming exactly who it is you needed to be all along. Mm, such a beautiful little visual. It's like the key to Pandora's box, isn't it? Oh, yeah, it's ironclad. And you know, we're, we're humans, we're egotistical, we're scared, we want to be in control. And so I get it. But man, when you give it up, and when you let things in, there's magic that happens. And I've seen it happen that many times. It's just it's worth it's worth the go. It's definitely worth the go. Mm. A lot of people say, you know, having children is, and the whole birth process and pregnancy and everything, it's, it's, it's hard. It's challenging. And, and I'm being, you know, very mindful of my words, but it's also incredibly rewarding mm. and rich and the love that you feel and the joy and the happiness. And that is the polarity. Like, the polarity has to exist. There cannot be joy without sadness. There cannot be light without dark. And we have to be okay with that. We have to really embrace that and know that the polarity must exist. It's the yin and yang. Yeah. And it's the, that's the thing is that when, when we speak about humans and our psychology and the ways we avoid and compartmentalize. And there's, there's reasons we do things. And so I get it. I absolutely do. And I was that person before I had kids, but the contrast and what your children's are able, what your children are able to provide you with that polarity is unbelievable because, you know, one moment I'm thinking like, you know, I'm at the lowest of lows and, and I'm exhausted and I'm defeated and I want to, you know, put my children on a train to Romania. And I'm like, you know what, you go, you go join the circus because I'm done here. And trust me, I've been in that place and it's, I get it. But the extremity of the polarity also means that the joyful moments, the ones that are just tears and laughter and cackles and cuddles are that much more palpable. And when I, I know that at the end of the day, when, you know, my head is on my dying pillow, I know that I've made the right decision that by you know, creating the space for that really overwhelming defeat and sadness that children bring. I've also allowed the space for all of that unbridled joy. And that is just something that I'm totally happy, happy trading for. Mm, beautiful. Thank you for sharing. Okay. Let's chat about some books. You know, I'm sure you've read <laughs> so many birth, mothering, pregnancy books. If you could put one 
in the school curriculum of every high school around the world, which one would it be? I mean, I've read so many parenting, conscious parenting books. I've read them all, but I'd love to hear your thoughts. Oh my gosh, this is so hard. Okay, I love to read. I'm I'm a nut when it comes to reading and podcasts, by the way. It's my my uh, other obsession. <sighs> I had to, I was creating the reading list for my doula training program and I had to put 40 books down because <laughs> I could not pick one. So this is oh very, my gosh. very Maybe we could, is that on your website anywhere? Maybe we could link to that list if it's available or is it not available? Sure. Well, I can make it available. Yeah, for people who are listening, I'd be so happy to do that. So there are a lot of things that I have read over the last few years that have just totally blown my mind and shifted the ways I see things. However, in terms of personally, books that have really helped me when things were feeling especially challenging as a mother, that's where I felt I reaped the most benefit. And so the one book that just sticks out to me is Buddhism for Mothers. Oh, so good. Yes. And I had the paper, you know, the paperback and it's huge. And I just found myself referring to it constantly because I'm, you know, very much a, like my children were raised in gentle parenting techniques and attachment parenting. And it was just such a, such a beautiful way for me to stay mindful. And then there's another book that came out recently that I was just so like really impressed with. And I, I want to say it's parenting for legends and it's it's really funny. I'm so sorry. I do not have the title with me at the moment. It's something along Parenting for Legends. And it's just a really frank, hilarious parenting book that makes you feel less like an alien. And you're like, oh, my God, there's other people who want to put their kids on a train to Romania to join the circus. <laughs> like, it was really, really, really funny. And I'll link those. Yeah, I'll link both of those for your audience. They're, it's, they're both great books. Oh, yes. I've not heard of Parenting for Legends. I'm going to check that out. That sounds amazing. So we'll link to both of those in the show notes and we'll also link to your epic 40 list of books that you recommend. So thank you, my love. Okay, I'd love to turn the spotlight a little bit more now on you. What are you working on or would like to improve within yourself at the moment? I believe we're students for life and we're always growing and evolving. So is there anything that you're consciously mindful of right now? Oh my gosh, always, 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 always. Definitely am obsessed, addicted to growth and evolution, personal growth, professional growth. And so sometimes to my detriment, I'm constantly looking for that next bit of epiphany or enlightenment. And at the moment, it's very much in the spheres of influencing and leadership. And I'm really diving into what it means to be an influencer in the online space and what, you know, what responsibility that entails and what feels aligned to me and how I am going to really meld the worlds of everything I believe in and everything I want to fight for and everything I support with my big, bold, you know, dreams to, to, do the things and create the stuff and make the money and be the entrepreneur and, and all of that other stuff. So for me right now, I'm very much leaning into the process of what it means to be in a world that operates in digital currency and operates in likes and follows and fans and how I'm going to use that to, to do good in the world and build the life of my dreams. So that's my like one of the main focuses for me at the moment is just showing up authentically doing the work that lights me up and then also keeping my finger on the pulse of what it is to run a business and be a part of that digital landscape. Oh, I love that. Awesome. What's bringing you the most joy right now? Hmm. I just had, honestly, Melissa, on the lives of my children, I just had the best week of my life. I'm coming out of the best week of my life and I'm on day three of my my bleed. And I'm just really just feeling so many big feelings. I'm feeling so grateful to be here, by the way. Thank you for sharing your energy with me. I I just spent, you know, seven days in the company of a few women I was training to become doulas and the serendipity and the synchronicity and the life and the emotion and the connection in that, that room was just uh, affirming on a level that is indescribable 
And it just made me feel like everything I've ever felt or experienced before then all makes sense. And that there's absolutely no need to doubt that I'm exceptional and that I'm going places and that I'm going to do big things. And I felt like I was a, a shadow or a ghost, you know, on the ceiling looking down at what was transpiring. And I just felt massively inspired. And yeah, I felt like the, the women in that room really gave me a gift last week. And so I'm feeling just so on purpose and just, yeah, I feel really, really lit up. It's a really, really nice feeling. Mm, beautiful. So beautiful. I'm so happy for you. Now let's talk about how your day looks and in particular your morning routine. I love hearing about how people prime themselves for the day, how they set themselves up for success. So can you share your morning routine with us? Morning routine. Yes, yes, yes. Huge. So obviously, you know, Peter, we love Peter. She talks about this in her book in terms of being, you know, you're, you're the, the kinks in your hose and making sure that you're living in flow and on purpose. And my own coach helped me to work out what that means for me and, you know, my recipe for success and my blueprint to happiness. And for me, it all starts in the morning. So the way I kick off the day is the exact <laughs> reason I feel a certain way the rest of the day. So in the morning, the first thing that I have to do is make sure that my phone is nowhere near me. So I'm waking up with the sun, with the sound of the birds, my windows open, the fresh air is coming through, and the music goes on. So I hop out of bed in my underwear, put my music on the Bluetooth, and right away, it's the dancing. I start off the day with the dancing. I dance to the coffee machine. I dance to my children. We all start dancing. We're laughing and the energy is pew, raised up several decibels. I start off the day with a bulletproof coffee. So really, really important to me and some water, some lemon and movement. That's, that's really how I start off every single day. And the moment I make a compromise in any of those things, I do not feel in flow. So I've learned that lesson a few times. And that's something now that I strive to do every single day. I love that. You know, Nick and I were chatting the other day about what brings us the most joy. And we've got like each day we'll have a chat in the morning and he'll say to me, okay, what, what are you going to do on your joy list today? You know, and I'm like thinking about it. And I was pondering on it the other day. Dancing brings me so much joy. And we go through stages where we dance a lot in our house and then we stop. And Nick and I actually learning ballroom and Latin dancing together. And we go to lessons maybe like three times a week, which is so beautiful, but that's just our lesson. And, you know, at, at home, we'll dance in the kitchen after dinner, you know, whilst we're doing the dishes and things like that. But you've inspired me to get back into it in the morning. I love it oh. so much. It makes my cells so happy and it really does set the tone for the entire day. I found even just putting music on, even if I don't dance, raises the happiness levels in my home. So, you know, when, you know, when children wake up, sometimes they're grumpy. Okay. They're like, <laughs> sometimes they're in the best mood ever. Like they jump out of the bed and they're happy and they're excited. And sometimes they're grumpy and they're tired and they're moody. And that's what teenagers are like sometimes. And so I found that when I put, you know, just really softly, I always put my diffuser on. So I've got the aromas floating through the house, the calming, anchoring oils. And then I use, you know, music to raise the vibration in the home. So I'll put on like beautiful meditation music or yoga chants or even Nick's music or some binaural beats or some reggae. And that literally changes the whole oh. energy in the home. Oh, and I love it. So you inspired just, me. You actually just reminded me. So the oils is another thing. So my oils are on all the time. I have them on very, very intentionally, specific times, specific smells. We use the same oils actually, Melissa. And they're there's just absolutely no doubt that when I have the tunes and I've got the sunshine and I've got the oils on, it's a totally different, different atmosphere completely. And I think as well with children, which is really important is I, I don't know, I grew up in a home where grumpiness was the norm. My parents fought a lot and, you know, it's just, I, I grew up thinking like, oh God, you know, I never want to have kids because I don't want them to be in a home that's grumpy. 
And I've really coming into my own and becoming my own parent has been like, no, hold on a second. I get to break that cycle. So how am I going to break that cycle? And it's those small decisions, like making sure that my children wake up and mommy's laughing and making sure that my children wake up and mommy's butt's shaking, listening to some mm. reggaeton. Like it makes a really, really big difference. And it really does lighten the mood. And I feel that in terms of parenting, showing them how comfortable I am in my body and showing them how powerful movement is as medicine is huge. Because sometimes, you know, you, you don't think they're listening, but then I'll be a bit sad or I'm having a, a you know, a more difficult day. And Ruby will say something, my daughter, she'll say, mom, do you want me to put the music on? Because music and dancing makes you feel better. So maybe we could try that. She's just like, she just gets mm. it. She knows that that's what you need to do when you need to move the energy and move the feelings. So yeah, it's just uh, dancing is another one of those things where we avoid because we don't want to be embarrassed and we don't want to look silly and we don't want to take up too much space. And uh, wow, since I've tapped into that, it's just life changing. I'll get in front of the mirror. I'll just dance and I'll look at myself and I pay really special attention to the way my body moves and the softness of my body. And I, it's like giving me not only a deep appreciation for who I am, but it's actually made me more confident. Like, oh yeah, this is cool. Yep. You don't look silly and this feels good. So keep doing it. Mm, I love that. Yes. Everyone listening, your homework <laughs> for the next week is to pump the tunes first thing in the morning, get the oils going, open the curtains, get some sunshine in there, pump the tunes. I guarantee you're all going to start your day on a brighter note. So yeah. you've inspired me. I'm going to do that. I might even send you a little video of me dancing around just so you yes, can. Yes, please. Tag as me proof. <laughs> Sounds good. Sounds good. I'll make sure that I do one as well, but I'll be clothed so that you can share it. <laughs> I love that. Okay. What are three things you're most recently grateful for? Definitely the workshop last week. I am grateful for the beautiful people that I am attracting into my life, whether that is professional or personal. I am grateful for passion and the beautiful pleasures that brings into my life. I am grateful for my body and my intuition and my instinct for guiding me to do the things that are right for me. And lastly, I am grateful to my children for loving me even when I feel totally unlovable. Oh, that's so beautiful. So beautiful. Okay, I've got three rapid-fire questions. Are you ready? <laughs> yes. What's one thing that we can do today for our health? Dance in the morning. Move. Use your body to move the feelings and experience the feelings and bring health and vitality back to your body because if you do that, everything else feels better too. Hell yes, it sure does. Okay, what's one thing we can do for our wealth? So more abundance in all areas of our life. Absolutely. So the first thing that I would say is valuing your time. Once you start to value your time, others will value it too. So putting a dollar sign, for example, on the greatness and glory of your gifts, including your time, will then mean that people will see it and pay you for it too. So a big reason that a lot of people aren't experiencing wealth is because they aren't valuing their time as they should be. Mm, so true. And the last one is, what is one of the most important things that we can do today for more love in our life? Hmm. Saying yes and putting yourself in situations where there is uncertainty. So go on the date, even though you, you, know, you have no idea It'll work out and have the conversations, even though you have no idea how it's going to pan out and just smile. That's all smile when you're walking down the street, when you're in the coffee shop, when you're buying something at the store, that little smile will be a direct channel to letting light and love into your life. And I think that there's no better way to be receptive to love and light than with a smile. Smiling literally changes the biochemistry in your cells. So often I'll be driving and I just am smiling like from ear to ear. I'll walk down the street, I'll be walking along the beach and I just force myself to smile. Even if I don't feel like it, I just make myself smile. And when I'm talking on the phone, I'm smiling. And when I'm doing this podcast, I'm smiling because it changes your state. It changes 
the vibration of your cells. So everyone, this is your homework. Smile all day long. While you're dancing in the mirror. And you know, this is important as well. The smiling, the smiling bit is that when you're not smiling, right? We joke about it and we say, oh, you know, resting BITCH based syndrome. But it's true. When you're not smiling, you close yourself off energetically. You're vibing at just a lower frequency. And so inherently, you are going to attract less love into your life, right? And if you're smiling, people are attracted to you. You're magnetic. They're coming in. And so just the power of a smile is is like undeniable, absolutely undeniable. Mm, I absolutely agree. Oh my gosh, this has been so amazing. And I could talk to you for hours. I absolutely love (laughs) chatting with you and the work that you're doing in the world. Is there anything else that you want to share before we go? Is there any last parting words of wisdom or anything you wish I had have asked you about? I think the only little bit in Bob that I would like to end this conversation with is that collaboration over competition and the absolute need the urgent need for women and like-minded people to come together to create amazing work and how, you know, by letting competition and comparison rob you of joy, it really does deter many of the amazing things that we are meant to do. So whether it's collaborating with you or collaborating with anyone else, I really feel like this is just something that I would like anyone in business or anyone in birth work or anyone who's listening to take away. It is ditch the comparison, ditch the competitive mindset and focus on collaboration and connection because that's how we're going to do our best work and um, push that positivity and those dance moves and those smiles out into the universe. Absolutely. It's so important. I love that. Collaboration is just so important. Coming together, working together, not just in birth and parenting and pregnancy, but every area of your life. You don't have to do this thing called life on your own. You know, come together, create community, tribes, collaborate with your work, with your life, with everything. Find ways to bring people together and support each other. It's so important. Yeah, I know I know that it's a bit of a there's not a direct segue there, but I just think it's worth mentioning because I just see too many beautiful people yeah, just derail themselves from amazing opportunities and a lot of gifts and many talents being wasted. So I just want to say, yeah, definitely, definitely be intentionally creating opportunities to connect and collaborate because the world needs it right now. Mm, Absolutely. This has been so amazing and I am a massive believer in service. So I want to know what we can do, myself and the listeners can do to serve you today. We will link to everything, all of your goodness in the show notes, all of your website, your social media, we'll link to all of that. But how can we serve you today? Ooh, that is a tricky question. Grapes and a big giant fan and babes in (sighs) little Tuscan robes. How can you serve me today? I honestly, I would absolutely love for everyone who has never heard of of birth work to just spend the next 5, 10, 15 minutes looking up the disparities and the needs and the the community outreach and the the bits that are needing attention right now in in gestation, pregnancy, birth and parenthood and the different ways perhaps that you could support these communities and these people because there are a lot of uh, many individuals in need and that's really how you can serve me is getting more involved paying more attention to what's happening asking the questions and doing your very best to to see the people that need help right now so whether it's you know the women of color or or it's you know folks in the lgbtqia community or it's the mom next door who you have noticed looks really sad and has just had a baby dropping some food on her doorstep It's just go and do something today that's going to better birth and parent culture. And that's how you're going to help me. Mm, So beautiful. And it's those little random small acts of kindness that often just have such a huge impact. And we don't even realize the impact that that one little gesture could do. So I love that. Thank you for sharing that. And 
Thank you for being here and sharing all of your wisdom today and your love. Like, this has just been so amazing. I'm so grateful our paths crossed and we got to spend some time together in person. And now we got to do this interview. I'm so grateful for the work that you're doing and for just being a voice out there and all of the messages that you're putting out on social media. And I'm just so grateful that you're blazing the trail out there and that our paths have crossed, my love. Thank you, Moza. And thank you for just being a freaking force of nature and for reminding women what it means to break away and come away from, you know, a past or a feeling or or anything and rebirthing into something as glorious as you. I'm really, really proud of you and proud of you for what you've created and proud of the messages you share. It's been an absolute delight being here. Thank you for giving me a platform to chat about the many things that light me up. Oh, you're so welcome, my love. Thank you so much. Wasn't that awesome? I got so much out of today's episode. And if you did too, please subscribe and leave me a five-star review in iTunes or on your podcast app, because that means that we can educate and inspire even more people together. And don't forget to come and join the private MA Tribe Facebook group. Now, this is where you can share insights from this episode. Plus, tell me who else you would like me to have on the show. It's a very sacred space where we can come together to discuss all things mastering your mean girl and open wide, along with anything else that you feel called to contribute to the open and honest conversations. You will also get some extra love and support personally from me that I won't be offering anywhere else. And one thing I get asked a lot is where can I find my tribe or where can I find like-minded people? This is it. The energy in this group is epic. I love going in there. It's my favorite Facebook group to hang out in. So head on over to melissaambrosini.com forward slash tribe to join now. And for everything that Angela and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that is over at melissaambrosini.com forward slash 177. And you can also listen to all my other episodes there too. Another thing I wanted to mention before I go is that if you haven't got my latest book, Open Wide, A Radically Real Guide to Deep Love, Rocking Relationships, and Soulful Sex, all you have to do is head to melissarambrosini.com forward slash open wide to get your copy now. And whilst you're there, you can get access to my free Open Wide video masterclass that Nick and I created just for you. And if you want to be the review of the week for next week, head on over to iTunes and leave me that five-star review now. It really helps with ratings and getting this podcast out there to more people. So go and leave that review right now. I'll be so grateful. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much again for being here, for wanting to be the best version of yourself and for showing up today for you. You rock. Now, if there's someone in your life that you can think of that would really benefit from this episode, please share it with them right now. Take a screenshot, share it on your social media, email it to them, text it to them, do whatever you've got to do to get this in their ears. And until next time, don't forget that love is sexy, healthy is liberating, and wealthy isn't a dirty word.